programmer spend a bunch of time writing documentation explaining all this stuff, but then you still have to now, instead of searching the code, you just search the documentation and it still takes a ton of time, right? Yeah. So if instead you can just sort of spin up a, a robot expert that just lives in this folder mm-hmm. and at any time you can be like, oh, great robot who lives <laughs> under the bridge. Oh, yes, tell Please me. Please tell me. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 408 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam, and I'm D'Artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March 24th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show, so, uh, you know, you're going to enjoy that. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, totally. And uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you for your monthly donations to uh, keep our mic tubes full of batteries. Okay. Guys. Hmm. This past month has been an interesting decade. <laughs> let's talk about... Let's you talk know, about... Like in the age of AI, that's like the best <laughs> framing of like what the fuck is going on. So, okay. Before we get into this... To today's episode, yeah. Yeah, I want to yeah. I want to have a little caveat here, which is um, we've been talking about AI a lot. It's basically the AI gets AI with butterscotch now is the is the podcast. This is just the AI podcast that happens to be game developers talking about it. Uh, <laughs> the reason is that every week for the past several months, some new major AI breakthrough has happened, and it seems you know it's only accelerating because. You know, that has its tech. Um, and every single one of these things has really big implications, um, but they're coming so fast that that we don't even get to see the consequences of the new tech before the next version of it hits. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so I don't know what the fuck that means, but here's where we're at now. Okay, so GPT-4 came out just a, a couple of weeks ago, right, um, through chat through chat GPT, and then there's also like a, a waiting list. So the, so the idea with this is this is like a, a just a much, much smarter large language model, much smarter than GPT-3 was. Um, a white paper came out, but, or not, just like a research paper came out uh, from Microsoft and OpenAI, called Sparks of AGI, AGI meaning Artificial General Intelligence, where basically this is just a giant research paper exploring the capabilities and limitations of GPT-4. They're just like, how smart is this thing? What what can it do? And they found that uh, it has the ability to create mental maps of spaces. So, you know, you can like describe a, a room to it or something and then ask it to draw a picture of that room using like, uh, using code. Like mm-hmm. to like render it, and it can render what you described, but it's a language model. They didn't they didn't teach it how to do that. It just can, right? Mm-hmm. So it has all these weird like emergent capabilities that look a lot like reasoning and logic, and and they also and in this paper they talk about they tested it on um, like the bar exam and the LSAT and all this stuff, and and the previous generation got a I think it was in like the tenth percentile on the bar exam and GPT-4 is in the 90th percentile. Mm -hmm. And same thing with like the LSAT, which is all novel logic problems. Um, Every time you see the LSAT, it's a different set of logic problems than the previous LSAT, right? So it hasn't seen these problems before. 
Um, it, it got the 88 in the 88th percentile on the LSAT, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it can pass MBA exams. It can, it can do all this emergent stuff that it wasn't really like trained to do. It's just really smart. And so it just can. Um, and the other thing that it turns out it can do is it can use tools. So they discovered that if, if you describe, if you give it information about an API for a web tool, um, and then ask it to do stuff using that, that API, it just can. Mm-hmm. It can just do it. If those who aren't and familiar so, with, with what an API is, you could think about it like a essentially like a almost like a little guidebook to how to use a tool, uh, an internet tool, right? Yeah. That other it, program it's, languages. Read yeah, it's basically it's uh, right you could think of like every URL you visit. You could like on the on the web, you know, you could call that's an API endpoint in the lingo, right? It's mm-hmm. just a location on the web that something comes back, and what we're familiar with is basically stuff that returns to us web pages, right? But a lot of what machines are grabbing is more, you know, machine readable stuff, but it's the same Just idea. data from a database yeah. or, you know. So like if you have ever used like Facebook sign in, you know, that's a kind of a throwback. But mm-hmm. if you ever used Facebook sign in, that was uh, some other company using Facebook's API to sort of like create a user account hooked up to the Facebook mm-hmm. account, right? So an mm-hmm. API is, yeah, it's just a way of talking to other programs and asking them to do things or asking them to, to give you things. Um, and so, yeah, they found that that they can give GPT-4 APIs and then just in plain English, ask it to do stuff using those APIs and it can deduce how to, how to, how to do them, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty remarkable, especially considering, you know, any, any human who has picked up a new API is generally overwhelmed for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you got to go through all this documentation, figure out like how it works, what the like pros and cons of different approaches are. And then you're always going to get stuff back a little different than you expected. So you got to do all kinds of like really hard thinking to figure yeah, out I would say how in, to do as it. Like a, it's like just a human metaphor. It's as if like both parties involved know how to speak right? You're both vocalizing, let's say, but you're actually not, you're not talking in a way that the other person could understand and the other person needs you to be able to essentially, you know, craft your words in a particular way so you could talk them appropriately. And it takes a long time in whether it's an API, which is essentially like a, you know, a little dictionary of, of keywords or phrases basically um, for that other, other party to be able to understand you. Uh, or if it's an entirely different programming language, which kind of ends up being the same, it's the same kind of problem, but a much in a, in a much bigger space. Yeah, it's like um, you know what you want to say or do, you know, in your own intent, in your own language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then using the API to meet that goal means you have to know all this stuff about the API, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and as a person, that just takes a long time to digest that and synthesize that information into your brain, so you can you can use it, right? Well, of course, like computers are different than us, and so. With GPT four, you can you can just chuck an API at it, and it's like, sure, yeah, I can do that now. And then you then you can just ask it to do stuff using the API, and it just can. Yeah. So well, I have a different framing on this because something you said earlier was uh, that they're sort of exploring the you know these these emergent properties and thinking about this as like this like uh, AGI, which is this general intelligence, right? Um, and people keep on being like surprised that oh, you like keep on throwing different kinds of problems that and like this is the the particular quote of like that it wasn't trained to do, right? And then it can right. still do it. Because it wasn't really trained to do anything. Well, actually. I, well, yeah, actually, I would argue <laughs> that it was trained to do this because it's a language model, right? Like it, the way that we do stuff, like 
is exactly. through language, right? That, that's how we process information. That's how we describe things. That's how we design all of our stuff. That's how we describe a room and then figure out how to convert that into, that's how we teach. That's how we do everything, right? And uh, and so, which is not to discount how amazing it is that this model is like so good as a language model that it's able to use language the same way people can, right? Yeah. To, to solve lots of kinds of problems. But I think this is what this, what is particularly cool though, is that because I've always been like a little interested in AI, but never really like paid a lot of attention. Um, and one of the things I was interested in, in the like in the earlier days was was natural language processing because it's such a fascinating like problem so set of like how do you how do you take a, a wall of text given all the the variations of how people can say the same thing and the fact that we have. Because because also language is a is a descriptive, not a prescriptive thing. Meaning two people can write something in completely different ways with like different spellings and different grammar, right? Because all of those are artificial rules that nobody follows the same set of, right? So now you go in the world, and that's that's the the data you have. Like how do you how do you figure out how to make it so that a computer can process and stuff and figure it out, right? Which I which was like very very cool. But the way that people were talking about this, at least from what I was aware of was like, that was one problem, right? And then there was artificial intelligence, which is like always focused on like solving some specific thing. And the natural language stuff wasn't, at least to, to my knowledge, being like focused on as like, oh, this is how we get to general right. intelligence. You, were, you weren't right? saying that like, if you look at how a person works, yeah, once you open up, basically once you are able to open up a person's mind with reading and writing. Yeah, with then language. That becomes the foundational piece of essentially all yeah. large. Because so much of AI stuff was focused on like how do we mimic a brain and like how brains process like data in a general sense and so on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and that it's basically it seems like the language model thing, which is a just also seems like a much harder problem to solve than some of these other ones people were trying to or these other angles people were trying to trying to take, mm -hmm. is actually the thing that gives you the the toehold into generalized artificial intelligence, right? Because well, you know, there's, there's been that claim like for you know, people who are always trying to make humans special, right? But we've talked about this on a previous podcast about how you measure intelligence, all that stuff. But one of the big things people talk about is, oh yeah, you know, one of the things that's so unique about humans is the ability to produce and understand language, right? Mm -hmm. Like very intense, broad generative capacity uh, done through language. And I guess it does stand to reason that Hey, if you get that to replicate, if you can replicate that capacity, then maybe you just get the rest. You know what I mean? Maybe the rest just comes along for the ride after You definitely, that. You definitely get a whole like, bunch of it. Right? It, it seems like yeah. that's the case. I mean, because they've found that, like, for example, with GPT-4, they can say stuff like, write me a mathematical proof and, and prove this concept, but do it in the style of a Shakespearean sonnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and keep it under four hundred words, and it can it can just it, it can do all of that in like thirty seconds. <laughs> it's insane, you know, yeah. and like for a human to think through all of that shit, right? You like you'd have to prove it. You'd have to be a mathematician. Then you would also have to be an expert at understanding Shakespeare and like all this other mm -hmm. stuff. And you'd have to revise this thing for days, trying to trim it down to a length that like matched the criteria, right? So and it's, it's just weird like computers playing chess, right? It's like the main reason that computers can beat people in chess is that it's one person, one like chess grandmaster, right? Can still only contain basically like, like chess grandmasters are crazy. Like they know, they know so much and their brains work really differently than I think a, your average person does. But even still, they're limited by the, the storage and compute capacity of a human brain. And also what well, they have seen brains specifically, and, right? Yeah. And human brains are actually designed to filter things out. 
right? Because yep. like we evolved to survive and reproduce and and most things that we see uh, are things that we've kind of seen before and whatever and our brains work really hard to try to cut things out. Uh, well, actually, I would, I would actually sees- flip that around. It's actually not about filtering. It's actually about identifying patterns, right? So- which is right. similar, but it's but it's kind of the opposite goal, right? But but it's been in the sense that like uh, if you know all the conversations you had over like the past couple of days, um, you could not verbatim re- repeat them, right? And I and you couldn't tell me like where you were, you know, at three thirty-five. P- Actually, you probably could because you know we all work from home. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's all these really specific things that your brain is just like doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, right? Because it's got to save space and and uh, and and sort of like it throws out most of the details in favor of creating patterns right and so um so we like we have this really limited capacity to process information and think and also all that has to be balanced against a lot of our other competing needs you know i'm tired i'm sick i'm hungry you know blah 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 and so these computers can think so fast and they can synthesize information pretty much instantly and they can solve problems that that humans would take days or weeks or months to solve, and they can do it in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's this weird like we're like you're saying, Sam. If you're talking about intelligence as a measure of like how well can this thing reason and use language, then I would argue that this thing is way smarter than a person. Oh yeah, any any person on that on that metric. Right. Well, I think what's what's become weird about it is that just yesterday, we record this on Fridays, right? So just yesterday or last night, I don't remember exactly time when it was, but they. Uh, GPT-4 OpenAI, the company that, that runs, that created GPT-4 and that whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, announced these plugins, right? So again, it's like that you are now able to, as I was described earlier, provide a, a very brief API description for a web service, for anything basically. Uh, and then ChatGPT can basically use it uh, on command when you want it to. So you could say, hey, you know, uh, I think you can check Expedia. You could do Zapier stuff. You could do... There's only a handful of them that are like publicly available right now. Um, and then it also got this this Python code sandbox where it can write and, uh, I believe, execute, right? Yeah, you execute can basically, code. you spin up a, they're just running a virtual machine somewhere that's running Python. So it's like a, so the idea of a sandbox in this sort of context means typically like an ephemeral sort of virtual computer living on top of a real one that's like mm-hmm. really well isolated from the real computer and from other fake ones, right? So yeah. that so you, you could can do all kinds of things in the sandbox and you won't accidentally like yeah, blow up the whole world. <laughs> because yeah, the, the main reason that you can't just easily go like get raw access to like running programs like through your browser and stuff, right? Is because the security implications are of just like Wait, letting too. somebody arbitrarily run, say, Python or any other programming language that lets you do anything, right? The yeah, the security implications are way too big. This is this is even a problem because what what they're going to quickly run into is a problem that all just boring web services run into, which is if they offer compute resources at all um, mm. and let people have general uh, programming languages that, again, a general programming language is one that you can make, make do anything, basically, right? Then all of a sudden, that's where most of spam comes from, right? And that's where yeah. phishing campaigns come from and all this kind of stuff, right? And so we're gonna, now that they've opened up ChatGPT to not just help you figure out how to do things, but then stuff to go like run the program yourself and stuff, right? But also be able to run programs directly um, and talk to APIs directly and stuff, right? Um, we're going to be moving very quickly into this new world where all of a sudden they'll also be battling 
spammers and scammers and hackers in a way they haven't had to yet. <laughs> so this will be mm-hmm. a very interesting time for everybody, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it does mean that um, you know one of the things we talked about a while ago was was this idea of the integration problem of of AI, which is like yeah, you know, ChatGPT is amazing, but also it's just a text box and a web page. So if you want to do with, with like character limits and all this stuff, so if you want to do anything interesting with it, you're kind of like asking it shit and then like copy that, paste, paste it, somewhere it somewhere else. You just you're just copy pasting things back and forth. And and the CEO of um, OpenAI did comment shortly after uh, ChatGPT originally came out where he was like, honestly, it's a terrible product. Like it's a cool technology demo, but it yep. is really hard to actually do anything very useful with it in an efficient way. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have any automated workflows and stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't even, I mean, I think I, like the way you said that is important, right? Cause it, it really is a tech demo. It's not meant to be like, here's your toolkit for solving problems. It's like, Oh, look at this fucking dope technology. We look have at this text box. Mm-hmm. Go play with it. <laughs> yeah. That's actually what it's for. Well, yeah. it's really um, like, cause last week we talked about that basically this, this is the integration problem. As soon as this is solved, it's a whole different can of worms. That next day, the Microsoft announced their uh, yeah integration GitHub with or Copilot, their 365 Copilot. Oh yeah, yeah right. which Wait, which yeah. integrates with Teams. So in other words, like it knows all the chats you've had. You can have it be doing transcriptions of your meetings, okay, and then also your Word docs, your emails, and you could say something like, "Hey, could you summarize like all the stuff that happened this morning between like nine and noon?" And it pulls from all the thing. You know what I mean? It's not just I mean, you can ask it to create a PowerPoint from, you can ask it to basically say, given the meeting that we just had, create a PowerPoint that sort of summarizes it in like five Mm -hmm. slides with the goal of accomplishing X, right? Right. And And it'll just use the data that I got stored in this fucking Excel. Yeah, right. And it'll like, it'll fucking slap together like a dope PowerPoint presentation that looks professional as fuck, right? I saw a video of somebody doing this. Dude, it's Uh, crazy. Wild. Google like really needs to get their shit together on on this because yeah. they are. I mean, they announced a similar thing basically the same you know two days earlier like around the same time, but for, it didn't hit quite as hard. I think it's well because nobody has access to it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. well, this, this it doesn't matter. Kind of we, yeah, because they just announced it like, oh, we're doing this, and it's like, okay, well, I can't even okay, look at it. Okay, but can we use it though? Yep. 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 Yeah, and there's this there's this kind of like so, something that I heard a while back that seemed like intellectually, I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But now I'm like, oh, I see it now, which is this idea that if you're behind at all on this AI stuff uh, as a company that's like trying to develop mm-hmm. it, if you're behind by like a day, you might as well be behind by a thousand years, right? Because mm-hmm. like, because the pace of change is like, what would Google have to do now to surpass open AI? Yeah, to get an AI, to get a uh, random plugin platform availability for their whole thing like to yeah you know i mean like yeah i don't like like they're they're behind and there's no there's no catching up (laughs) and i i don't know how they could possibly do it um and so yeah i think it it, but it goes like because it's it's not uh it's not just inevitable that like open ai just keeps on progressing at the same rate because like Mm -hmm. they might hit a wall they might hit a wall of some sort they might hit a regulatory regulatory stumbling block if any lawmakers ever start paying attention which will probably take a decade so you know maybe that's probably a non-issue um, well, I guess as soon as the first like deep fake comes out about a senator, then we'll actually have some. But they had that one with the uh, pictures of Trump getting arrested, which was hilarious. Like, <laughs> like someone made made a bunch of pictures using Mid Journey of Trump getting arrested on Tuesday during that whole like you know, nonsense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they look and real. They, they look hundred percent real. It was yeah. shocking. I was like, wow, yeah, Mid Journey version five came out like a week ago, and it can actually do hands. So game changer. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, so all this stuff is, you know, it's progressing really fast. Um, and there's all these, these integration things. And then there's also um, uh, GitHub Copilot X, X 
Yeah. Is there like uh, a new set of God, Jesus Christ? Yeah, that was also it's, that's basically the integration. So we've talked about GitHub, GitHub Copilot a fair bit. And GitHub Copilot under the hood is just using it's using GPT. It's using GPT. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they're going to be upgrading also to use GPT four, so that all everybody using Copilot will just have like just suddenly be getting better outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing they're doing is now also doing the same like deep integration approach that was that Microsoft is doing for 365 and that OpenAI just announced for their plugin system, right? Uh, and so they're, I, I'm signed up for like early access to all these things, but I don't know if, if or what I'll get to do them, you know? Uh, but they've got, I think the one I'm the, actually the most excited about is they have a, a CLI command line interface integration. Um, and the reason is, is because this gets rid of the whole like copy paste shit back and forth um, because it actually gives the robot a way to do things on your system, right? Mm-hmm. Because because usually like, when somebody fires up a, a computer terminal to do something, unless you're like intimately familiar with the tools that you're trying to use, you're just like, what the fuck do I type here, right? There's yeah. just, uh, there's uh, no way just to guess. guess. Yeah. If, you wanna, yeah. if, if you're listening to this, you're not quite sure what we're talking about. Command line interface is basically that a little, that console you see typically in like the hacking situation where it's just like, just, just text. black, just text. And you got to put a bunch of weird ass commands to get something to happen. And yeah. basically what this integration allows you to do is just describe in text what you actually want right to there. happen. And it'll just do it. So you can be like, yeah, hey, so. could you convert a video to this using FFmpeg as opposed to yeah. having to come up with the weird, yeah insane looking FFmpeg command to do it. Um, and yeah, then it comes up with it and you're like, cool, run that. Yeah. And then it could run it. And then if you don't have FFmpeg, you can be like, oh shit, uh, how do I get FFmpeg? And then it'll give you the commands. Cause like from the command line, you can do literally anything. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can fetch web data, you can parse it, you can run programs, you can do whatever, right? And so by integrating it there, um, just all of a sudden, like things that were hard because like I consider myself a, a fluent CLI user because I'm using them constantly. I know how to like figure out how to use them because I've just spent so much time in there, right? But even still, I'm constantly being like, oh fuck, <laughs> what is for this thing I don't do very often, what is the string of commands that I gotta throw together yep. to make this work, you know? And and I know how to still fairly quickly get those answers because I'm used to that process. But it'll be nothing. Like even so even me as a person who does this like literally daily constantly i'm in that i'm in a command interface it's highly likely that i'll actually flip to spending most of my time just asking it to do things yeah or to give me info mm-hmm. about stuff right um and and so that's me for a person who's doing this all the time for somebody who doesn't do this stuff at all all of a sudden you'll, you'll now be moving into a space where like if you're new to programming and chat gpt is like okay you're gonna need to make three files to make this website you said you wanted mm-hmm. so make a file called this and a file called that and a file called whatever it's like now it can just give you the commands. I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to let it run stuff for you yet like out of the gate because there's extra security implications there of like mm-hmm. – because that's not that different from just copy-pasting it. But with the copy-paste, there's a layer of the person looks at it, mm-hmm. you know? There, it slows it down a bit, which is maybe what we want right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it'll be interesting <laughs> but to see. The, but there's, the other one that was super exciting though about the, the – uh, Copilot one that I want to make sure we mention is that the fact that it integrates on the web side of yeah. if you have if you're in a software company you have to do this thing called pull requests. So let's say the three of us are working together on a, a code base. Um, I basically go I, off on my own. I work on the new thing, a new feature, and then I have to make a request. I send the request over to Adam. Hey, feature's done. Here's the code. Can you basically merge it into the major code base? Like yeah, all well, the rest can of I stuff. pull it in to yeah. the yeah. And doing that, typically you go through, you'll try to do like a code review, a couple different things like that, just to make sure that you didn't 
I maybe didn't know exactly what I was doing, didn't do something dumb, didn't cause a yeah, You get another set of eyes on it, you discuss it, and you look at it yeah. basically as part of the as part of the PR, the pull request sort of yes. workflow before it merges so into the It's a combination of like summarizing the all the code that was written, what it does, how it works, making sure that it integrates well with the project, blah, blah, blah. Which the thing that blew my mind was that they you could just do this now with because again the AI is very good at summarizing stuff and describing yep. what's happening and checking to see if it'll work and writing and extra very tests good at processing you, language whether it's human or computer or you know yeah, programming right? language well language is just information right so it's mm -hmm. just like it can just it can talk in any language and convert it into any other and yeah, all of that yeah yeah so now you know you imagine these situations where you previously would have to sit down with someone for sometimes like two four hours working through the code, make sure you fully understand it as the person bringing it in, and then you merge it in, see if there's any problems, right, even after you thought it would work fine. Um, and now that's just, I think, in most cases, going to be basically done magically. Yeah, you'll just say, well, I mean, another thing that you'll have, for example, is like on, uh, on a code base, you may have some kind of a bug, right? So mm -hmm. you can like make an issue on GitHub and, mm -hmm. you, and you describe it and you're like, yep, here's what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Well, that you know, very soon could be the start and end point of you fixing that bug. Yeah. Because like by making a GitHub issue and just describing it, my bet is there's well, going to be a they, button. They already <laughs> mentioned in there that they yeah. want to, and I can't remember if that was part of the current like suite of things or just something they talked about wanting to do next yet, but what's to do, not have the robot do it yet, but to have it um, basically suggest like, oh, here's like, here's the files and the code that you would need to go look at to like resolve this potentially. And here might be a solution, right? Um, so that, yeah, now, now and, but this is particularly useful like for open source, right? Because so much of open source yes. is like we were saying about an API, right? Cause like, cause actually like if API documentation is good, then the problem isn't like the problem with reading and figuring out how to use it um, is basically just the time and cognitive load problem, which is you're building a mental model of the, of the system and like how it's organized and whatever as you're reading about it. And like it requires you to know all the lingo so that you can like figure like, so that's, that's what makes it hard. Right. Um, wait, where was, where was I talking about what that? <laughs> so it's going to be the issues, basically just automatically resolving of issues. Oh yeah. Right. So, so with like, with then issues and stuff, like it can then, it can, uh, oh yeah, I have no idea where my train of thought was gone. going there. It's just gone. Evaporated. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, but, but I, I think the, the thing to look out for here is just that these, you know, the, the step we're at right now is like we have something that can program really well and can describe things really well. And also like GPT-4 is able to debug code mm -hmm. via just like paste an error message into it. And it'll be like, here's a, here's, here's a fix, right? They're also adding um, that integration into VS Code because um, that's the Microsoft. VS Code, Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code, which are their two flagship like programming products, right? And, and GitHub. GitHub. Well, yeah, but there's a different feature set, right? So the thing that they're adding into the to the editors is that they're actually going to have this deep integration where it's watching because because the those editors already have systems to be alerted that there's errors or issues or mm -hmm. bugs, right? Yeah. And when you run stuff, yeah, you run in a terminal. And so the terminal yeah. has like ways of identifying issues and stuff that you, that you can describe. Um, and you can like, you can tell the editor how to pull error information like out of those, right? But that's this really tedious, horrible thing of like trying to put regexes together and figure out how to, their system works and all of that, right? But they want to do deep integration with with um, Copilot, Copilot with GPT so that it knows about all of those things. Mm -hmm. 
because as soon as well, it knows about you all have an error, you don't necessarily need to write anything anymore being like, oh, here's how you process this error so that you can tell me there's an error and, and provide a link to get me to it, right? Because mm-hmm. I run into problems with that constantly where it's like it dumps like a, a file path in like the line number or whatever into the into the mm-hmm. feed, but it's mm-hmm. not formatted in a way that VS Code understands yet. So like I can't just click on it, right? And then I have to go like tell VS Code how to do it. But if you throw... GPT on top of that, it can figure oh, yeah. out that that's a fucking path, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It can yep. make that into a link, right? And so that's basically the, this like next rollout phase is this integrated level, which is exactly what we talked about a week yeah. or two ago. But it doesn't even need to make it into a link because it could just go fix the error itself and be like, here's here's my proposed fix for this error, right? And you can yeah. be like, all right, well, you know. And that's, <laughs> right. and that's kind of the like – you know, we're we're just like we're like I, I would say we're months away, but that might be too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like we're months away from from being able to like you know make an issue on GitHub and say I'm having this problem with this code base, right? Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily with an error message. You just like I, it's it's not doing this, and you can just describe it in plain English, and then just you know from there just like hit a button that says you know have have my copilot propose a fix, mm-hmm. and it'll branch off. Yeah, I'm really pumped fix about fix up the code when that when this pull request. Yeah, when this features start to roll out, like I'm gonna be playing with those a lot because there's like there's tons of little like issues that I know of that I'm like, uh, like I know it's gonna be hard to figure out. It doesn't matter that much, so yeah, yep. not worth the effort. Or features where I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool to do that, and I do know how I would do it, but it's gonna be so much code. Just gonna take a while. Yeah, it's just gonna take a while, right? And so I'm because I, th- I think that still. The fundamental limitation, now that we're actually starting the integration process, the fundamental limitation to having these things just like do tons of stuff for you is still just the the distinction between the generalized model and your specific project, right? Because at the moment still, like if I open up my, you know, my Git repo and VS code and I've got, I've got Copilot running, you know, helping me do stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know about like, oh, this is a pro, like this collection of files is your project. And it but doesn't I like, I think that's, that's part of Copilot X. Well, yeah, I think that that's, that's coming as, yeah, but I'm not sure how much of this is still like specific project aware versus, cause, cause like the model's gotten bigger, so you can now feed more stuff into it, like at a, mm-hmm. at a time and it can be aware of more specific stuff. Cause it's basically, you can think of it as like, it's always aware of its own, of its like generalized model that, that it was trained on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like during say like a chat GPT session, right. It's aware of a sub of a diminishing subset of the information in the chat as it goes, because it's able to kind of like hold on to a relatively small amount of specific information. Like yeah, for, they call that task, the, right? the context window. Right. And so, so that, that's human pretty small, memory, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so the limitation right now is that that's still small enough that like, if you take one of our projects, like the rumpus code base or yeah. something like that, right? Like that's still, that's so much bigger in total than what these things are currently able to hold on to. But people are also finding solutions to this via like these earlier steps where like that, or like, you know, a project or whatever is sort of pre-processed and pre-indexed so that it can be searched. And so that basically you can turn, you can convert this huge amount of information into a much smaller amount that summarizes it so that the, so that the AI has basically a first level access where it can be like, okay, cool. I know what all like the names of your variables are because it's a smaller data set or whatever, right? And from there, it can then ask, where are they all? And it doesn't have to hold that into its into its like context window. 
in at any given moment. It doesn't have to be there at all. It just knows how to go get that information. Um, yeah. So like, like, yeah, like and, and having those work really well is where like the limitation still is, but people are already solving that stuff. So it's going to go yeah, pretty fast. It's the problem of, uh, of, of giving the AI working memory where it yep. can, it can basically, so in the case of like, you can almost think about it like a mental model where what a human does when they navigate a code base is they, you know, they look through the functions, they look through the documentation, and they try to build up a, a simplified sort of simulation in their head of just like how the broader pieces of it kind of fit together, right? And then if you ever, if you ever need to know something more specific, then you kind of tap into your mental model and you go look at that specific piece of the code, right? And so... So rather than memorizing the entire code base, you create a simplified version of it in your brain. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually the, the cool gist. thing is yeah. that is that these if we use the same model of like how people do this, which is exactly as you described, um, then that, that's what allows us to bypass the limitation of like we can't just give it all the info to store in memory, basically, right? Into working memory. But also that's not probably not even that efficient, right? Because the details don't matter. Most yeah, of the it just time, needs, it right? needs a way to get the gist and then go get the details if it needs them. Yeah. So right. the same with your brain holds yeah. on to like the. And I, I mean, like when I'm working on code, a lot of what I'm doing is being like, in the moment, like what the fuck is this thing, and then I like, I can navigate to it, right? And it's this, it's very like, and then like I read a little bit until I'm like, okay, I get what's going on here, right? And then I, then I can yep. move backwards, right, and continue where I was, and and so you basically kind of build this like tree, but it's starting from a place of focus where you have like this general knowledge. This is working the same way as people do, right? Like I have general knowledge of like programming and problem solving and the kinds of problems that I'm solving, issues with in the studio, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's your training set. That's my training <laughs> set. And then I have my specific project, which is like rumpus or something, right? And then I have a mental model of that that's kind of fuzzy, but I understand like the general idea of what the components are, how it all works together. Um, and then when I'm working on something, I basically like my focus is constantly moving where I have like some goal that's hopefully well articulated, right? And I need to figure out now, where do I go in the project? Like, what are the entry points into this project to start accomplishing this goal, right? That's already a hard problem unless you're intimately familiar with the project and actively working on it. This is not, this is yeah. not just a code thing. This is true for any kind of a project, right? This is why like, like, search was such a big deal, right? Because it's like, it's, it's easier to know the rough outline of, oh yeah, you know, I want to go get some Italian food. It's like, where's good Italian food in town? Not having to know every single Italian restaurant memorized and then like yourself, right? Yeah. It's all about that. Yeah. You develop a level up shorthand. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. this is where like, yeah, the, the search, cause I'm still like the search aspect of all this stuff is what I'm, is like one of my core excitement points, right? Because of exactly that, which is right now you're so limited. Cause like, so I'm working in, in the Crashlands 2 game project to, to like kind of get brought up to speed with it, right? But I'm unfamiliar with this code base. So it's been working on it for three years now. Well, just the Crashlands 2 parts yeah, of it, yeah. yeah. The Crashlands 2 but parts there, of it. But there is code in there that's 10 years Yeah, there's years code old. that's 10 years old, right? <laughs> so it's this enormous code base, and I'm unfamiliar with, like, I, I'm basically unfamiliar with it, right? It's also a different language than my normal stack. So so there's, and because of what how that language works and how the editor works, on top of the unfamiliarity with the language, there's also just unfamiliarity with like good approaches to using the language to make everything uh, performant and to make it easy to use the editor features and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So lots of different variables that you're trying to yeah, just tons for. of different stuff. And so even when I know what I'm trying to accomplish, right, where I'm like, okay, I want to. There's a thing called a schema, and I need to get it, right? So how do I? find the entry point to solving that problem, right? I can hope that I've figured out 
a mental model of like how Seth names things so that I can just like guess. Start oh, searching. Yeah, just start searching. Yeah. But now like how do I search though, right? I'm just like, okay. I'm like schema, right? And then now a thousand <laughs> results come up across the whole fucking project, right? So then I'm like looking at each one being like, okay, are any of these like contained within something that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably things, what it is, right? This is what most people do actually for you know, most of their days, actually. A lot of your work. It's just finding stuff. Trying to, yeah, trying to find stuff, moving stuff around, building models. Yeah. Of how but to, now so if I can, can just ask, uh, if now if in the search box, I just say, uh, uh What's the function that I use to get a schema, right? And then it already does all that processing that I would normally have to do, right? And, like, and it just me. feeds me. Oh, here's like here's the most likely candidates for like where your entry point is, right? The now all of a sudden navigation doesn't require you to already know a bunch of really detailed stuff because like to me like this is the power, right? It's like getting away from having to know the details already mm-hmm. and just being able to do the thing that you're trying to and do, and just being yeah. able to the, get to the get place, right get there. to the entry point, <laughs> and then and then deal with the details when you actually need to instead of ahead of time. Like the collaboration yeah. potential for yeah, it's ridiculous. What this enables is enormous. Yeah. Well, uh, but also importantly, it actually makes it so that collaboration is a lot less necessary, right? Because like the the easiest way for you as somebody new to a code base to navigate it is to bring in an expert, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is to say like, okay, I could read through these one thousand different search results to figure out which one is the one that I need, or I could just say, hey Seth, I need uh, what's the function for getting a schema, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, you know, I, as the programmer, spend a bunch of time writing documentation, explaining all this stuff, but then you still have to now, instead of searching the code, you just search the documentation and it still takes a ton of time, right? Yeah. So if instead you can just sort of spin up a, a robot expert that just lives in this folder mm-hmm. and at any time you can be like, oh, great robot who lives <laughs> under the bridge. Oh, yes. Tell me. Please tell me. Yeah, which is also <laughs> something that Copilot X is doing. <laughs> Which is they are doing this for for documentation on code bases, right? So yep. that, but it's still like it's the documentation has to exist already. So some people had to actually write it. Um, but now it'll take that documentation and just let you use natural language to ask it questions, and it'll basically create answers, but then also give you links to the relevant places in the docs that it used to synthesize that answer. Mm-hmm. So that if the answer is incorrect or insufficient. You'd still know how to get how, to, you know, how it got there. It's yeah. showing its Which is work. Amazing. You know? This is ridiculous. I'm very yeah. excited about yeah. So all of this. Yeah. So the the implications of all this is I don't know because you know the the world is a chaotic system and everything that happens um, is both caused by the things around it, but also it now causes other things to happen that self reinforce. Right. So. Like how people talk about, like you actually can't predict the weather, right? Because the weather, what hap- what it does, changes mm-hmm. what it is going to do next, and it's all probabilistic, right? Yeah, that's why we can. About, the like, certainty continues to rapidly diminish as you look further into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so you you try to guess, right? And so when it comes to stuff like these GPT plugins and Copilot X, right? Um, it's very easy to look ahead and and sort of like use that that dumb economist concept of all else equal. What does this mean, right? <laughs> so like you know, all else equal. What what are the implications of Copilot X? Well, for starters, uh, the concept of being a junior developer as a programmer will be a very strange idea because if 
if you bring on a new programmer who's like fresh out of college with a comp sci degree, who actually has never really worked in an enterprise, uh, you know, enterprise software before, their knowledge of the language is not that great because they're pretty new, right? They they aren't familiar with the code. They make a lot of bugs. They take a long time. They need a lot of teaching. They need a lot of feedback. Uh, you could hire that person and spend a lot of money and time doing that, or you could have Copilot X just do all the things that a junior developer mm-hmm. can do. Although. Extremely well. Counterpoint. Uh, People already aren't hiring junior developers because of the cost. Because now you have to to take somebody who's Mm -hmm. senior to train that person, right? Yeah. And And so now the cost (laughs) is just fucking enormous, right? So this is already a huge problem in the industry. But now imagine you can- But people still do it now because they have to, at least to some degree. You still need to to some degree. But I think actually this changes the- This, I guess, has the potential to change things in a different direction, which is- it could, yeah, sure. If like chat or if, if like GPT and related technologies get so good that like a single person could be like, hey, this is what I need to happen and it can go make it happen, right? Um, things are complicated enough and specific enough in terms of like how things are deployed and where things live and how uh, security things work and all this kind of stuff, right? That I think we're still quite a ways out from that kind of a – and by quite a ways, I mean like in – at least your time, days. though. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't think it's five <laughs> days away. I don't think it's six months away, but it still could be a small number of years away, right, before, like, we're at that level. But up until that point, you still need people to do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But now, you don't have to be the one that trains them, right? That's and true. so, now, if you bring in a, a noob programmer, and let's assume they haven't been, that we haven't already figured out, like, oh, also, they were going to school while ChatGPT and GPT existed, right? Which means... Mm-hmm. They, in theory, could already have had a, their own individualized tutor to help them learn everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's toss that aside and just still assume that people know just the same small amount of stuff that they do today, right? Bring them in as a junior dev. And now, because I'm imagining this for myself, right? Like, I just actually love the idea of, like, bringing in a smart person who's new to programming mm-hmm. and then just, like, being like, go do some interesting stuff, right? But the problem is that especially at our scale, that really just means you're doing it. Let me spend a whole bunch of time evaluating (laughs) your work and teaching you how to do so. (laughs) But if instead that means, Hey, I'll give you access to all of our code and to all of these AI tools. Um, go, go like find some bugs that could be fixed and figure out how to fix them. Go, add some documentation, go do whatever. You're saying that chat GPT becomes a, becomes a mentor for, it becomes a mentor that enables somebody with much, less knowledge to to basically instantly have context, right? But also now instantly have like kind of guide rails and suggestions of things they could do and uh, suggestions on how to go about something and assistance in fixing things that go wrong. Like all of a sudden you just have this buddy that can bring you into a actually having, adding like value right into the system. Right. Instantly, well, you're basically saying you go from being a junior developer to not being a junior developer. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you have access to GPT, then you are a senior developer because you can do. Yeah, that. well, I think yeah, because I can do any of the things. I think yeah. it brings you into like a mid tier developer. Like, right. if you're smart and like comfortable using these kinds of tools, right? Then I think you get to just get bounced right out of like junior into more mid level. Because I think like at least currently, I think the difference with like a senior developer is that. You understand so many things in and out that you can still, like at architectural level, you can still like, like the problems that the AI can't get you through and that you don't know how to get through either, right? That's yeah. where like the senior developer is like, oh, I've yeah. seen that a thousand times and I understand this like low level shit. So like I can mm-hmm. 
we can work past that, right? That's still where that space occupies. But you can get there way faster, though, if you're constantly... Because like, I'm thinking of all the stuff that I had to learn by trial and error over 15 oh, yeah. years of programming, right? Where I would spend, like, something would go wrong, and I would spend, like, a day figuring out how to address it, right? And a lot of that was, like, Google searching and searching Stack Overflow. And sometimes I'd find an answer, sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I'd find a whole bunch of answers that were variable quality and I'd have to go try stuff because I didn't know which one was it, you know? Like, imagine if I got to accelerate that whole process because I would run into that same problem, but now I could just go ask a thing that already knows all of that stuff and has already seen all of those same problems and it can just explain to me why that went awry and how to fix it without me having to spend a day figuring that out myself, right? Yeah, but again, this is an all-else-equal situation because there's something yeah, else that... There's, there's a feedback loop that also happens... And I, so I did this earlier this week. I was like, I'm going to talk to GPT-4 using the, the chat GPT window. And I'm going to, I'm going to just tell it to come up with an idea for a web app. And then I'm going to have it build the web app. Mm -hmm. And so it came up with an idea for a, uh, a net worth calculator where you just like, you can put in your like assets and liabilities and stuff. And it's, it's idea was very grandiose where it's like, it'll be AI powered. It basically was an ideas guy, right? Where it was like, it's going to be powered by AI and it's going to integrate with your bank. She's going to do all this stuff. Cryptocurrency. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's really simplify this to like a real basic MVP first before we go shoot for the moon, you know? And it was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so like write me like the most basic version of this web app that just has like one feature only, right? Um, and it spit out the files and I, I, or spit out like the text, right? And I like, I put those into files. So again, it's the integration thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I double clicked on the index.html and sure enough, there was. there's a, there's a, a web app that's a network calculator. And then I started just saying to it, like, um, let's add this feature. And I just described it. And it's like, here's the new code. And I just <laughs> it and it fucking worked again. And it was exactly what I asked it for. So and I, I went through this three or four times. And what I ended up with was a functioning web page that had all the features as I described them. And I didn't ever you. actually look at a single line of code. Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, like in my mind, I'm thinking, why the fuck would I ever learn JavaScript oh, yeah. or, or HTML or any of this stuff if I can just learn English and just tell this robot, yeah. hey, and I think I, want. I think the answer is actually the same as with with like any new tool set, right? Which is, because actually this is a complaint, like this is, this is that classic, like young people don't know anything, right? Because um, people don't need to know well, well, yeah, that no, yeah, no, yeah, which we're not even saying it's bad. Um, but yeah. you see this actually the same thing happening because of um, React. So Re React is a is a mm -hmm. web framework that makes it easier to like basically describe things as as discrete components. You can be like, okay, I've got a button, and I have a way now of like describing the button in a way that's much more concise and like it's it's like scoped to this like one thing, this idea of a button, right? And, and it can do all these cool things and whatever, right? And now you can like kind of stitch all these buttons and forms and whatever together in a way that's not just you handwriting. HTML and JavaScript, right? Uh, so, so it's already the case that like people coming out of boot camps, people coming out of college, if they're doing web dev stuff at all, almost guaranteed what they're actually learning is React, like like instantly. In fact, they're often just bypassing like basic HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and like just learning those things sort of. Uh, sort of vaguely as a way through like React. inference yep. by learning mm -hmm. by learning React, and so there's this actually this whole like and, I, and to me like I think this is totally fine. But there's a lot of people who are like, oh, but these people who are like all these React devs, 
don't even know the fundamentals of like HTML and JavaScript and CSS, right? Yeah, that's fine. And, yeah, and I think it's the same. Again, it's the same thing as like any kind of expertise. It's that you can you don't need to know all the lower le- levels of things to accomplish every goal, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to be able to build a microchip or write an assembly language yeah. or whatever to be a programmer. Right? <laughs> so there's, there's no sense getting like mad that people are occupying a certain sort of layer of abstraction, right? But it yeah. is still true though that the more knowledge you have of the lower levels of below your at where you're working at your abstraction layer the more able you are to solve weirder kinds of problems that not everybody is dealing with right because you can now get into the guts of things and do stuff cuz i'm thinking of like yeah like it's but i think it's the same thing it's like it's really easy also for like a junior dev in a boot camp to spin up that same website that you described Seth right like they had to learn a whole bunch of stuff to get there but like that's yeah. like they're doing that within a few days or probably a few days, right? I did it in 15 minutes. Yeah, I did it in 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But but the question is, is like, does that does that continue to be true, right? So as you want to build something, like let's say you do want to hook this thing up to uh, a login system. Right, you're saying beyond this MVP, basically. As you yeah, beyond prototyping. Because I, I think, again, like still we're, where we're at right now with all this stuff is like the prototyping phase where all this is really good at digesting information, giving you like s- small ish answers to small ish questions right um and that all that scope is growing definitely but we're that like last mile problem um that's always hard because i I think i think the best way to think about these things we're doing is the same way that people do stuff because the fact that we're using language models trained on human language right and Mm -hmm. computer language to do problem solving Basically, it means that they're solving things the same way that people do, right? So the same reason that things are hard and like going to the next phase of abstraction or the next scale of problem solving, like the same reasons that those are hard are going to be the same reasons that the model struggles and like has to be somehow changed or upgraded or fine-tuned to like get to that next layer. And so I think what we're going to be seeing over time is like is plateaus, right? Because that technology works. It'll like plateau at some layer of abstraction or some like scale of problem solving until some new breakthrough occurs. And then it bumps up next layer of abstraction or integration or whatever. And it keeps on doing that. And the question we have here is basically how long are those plateaus and how fast do the bumps happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what well, does and it think, look like the, every time we jump into the next plateau? Yeah. The thing that I'm kind of grappling with myself is is that um, you know the same thing applies to to me as a human, right? Like mm-hmm. I have I have the ability to kind of like jump ahead in knowledge in certain spaces, and then I will I kind of be stuck there for a while. And yeah, then exactly. Learn. It's so, exactly you know, the same. It's the same, except uh, I can only learn a little bit of things at a time. And I have limited time to, to do it, right? And so there's yep. this there's this weird disincentive thing going on, which is like, um, if I know that like already this thing is way way better than me at like slapping together a simple web app in j- using JavaScript, right? Because I I can't really do that. I don't you know I don't I don't know all the the details, but I can just tell it to do that, and it can, it can do it. And if one year from now it's going to be able to make a much, much more sophisticated web app that can do way more things and is much bigger, right? And a year after that, it can make one that's 10 times bigger than that, right? Then my incentive to spend any time, you know, learning web dev, like if I have some idea or, you know, whatever, goes down and down because uh, I will never keep pace with that thing, right? <laughs> I, I, and, I'll, and I'll still be able to do all the things that I want to do if I want to make web apps, uh, if I just chill for six months, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, 
all of us as humans are becoming better web developers by just sitting here doing nothing <laughs> because this tool is appearing this, that we can yeah. use. But I think in a kind of a, in an alternative view on that um, is a more, I guess, because it's, it's panicky on either side, right? Because either you're panicky because it's like, well, then what's the point, right? Or it's from the other side, there's um, in the same way that if you're, if you're developing these AI tools, then you're already just way ahead of somebody who's not yet or somebody who's a step behind or whatever, right? Because of of the acceleration of the pace of progress, right? And similarly, like, because like I'm personally just like pumped about all the, the web stuff coming out. And I'm I'm really glad I know so much about web dev and about these tech stacks because when I'm thinking about using these these tools to help me do stuff, then I have a fuckload of context for like what it means to introduce these things into that process and like what it's going to take away from working on to do anymore, how it's going to help, what the risks and limitations are. Cause like right now, like I wouldn't trust anything being spat out of GPT with like credit card data or scaling mm-hmm. issues or, mm-hmm. or to not create an infinite loop in AWS and then give us a hundred thousand dollar AWS bill. Yeah, I would write a commercial piece of software yeah, exactly. and release but, it. <laughs> yeah. But I would absolutely use it to help me. And I already am right through copilot to help write commercial stuff, right? Because I, I'm confident with my expertise level that I can evaluate what it's doing and, and just use it as an assistive technology rather than... But that's the point right? that if you don't already have the expertise... Well, exactly. Because I think the, You'll the contrast, though, catch up, yeah. is if you... Because yeah. if you think of it as like, well, I can't catch up because it's going to keep on outpacing me, right? So by just sitting here, I become a better web developer. That's not actually true, right? You by just by sitting there, you actually become you become further and further away from being able to understand what the thing can do and how to use it because its capabilities are continuing to move beyond your awareness even of like the problems and like the solutions that you're saying basically, kind of stuff, right? If you get if you take up practice of just using ChatGPT to make web stuff, for example, yeah. then you could stay on pace with its capabilities to do stuff. Yeah. If you're, if you're using chat GPT to like help you do web dev and you're learning web dev as a function of using it at the same time, right. Then you could be on an accelerated pace of learning where you can like stay sort of like in tune with what it's doing. Right. So that you're aware of like web dev in general, the kinds of problems you're running into. And, and if you're deploying stuff, so then you see like, Oh shit, like chat GPT doesn't understand scale problems. Right. Or whatever. Um, then you can actually keep pace with it because as well, a tool, but key, what it means to keep pace with a tool is it means your ability to use it really effectively to solve problems, right? Um, and well, I, I think about it this way though: it's like if let's say you want to start a business to make a, some kind of a web service, right? Um, but you yourself can't can't program. Uh, up until now, the approach is hire a programmer. Right. Mm-hmm. Why do you hire a programmer? Because they know how to they know how to program. They can reason through the problems and they can write the code and they can solve solve the problems, right? Um, well, so it's actually not yourself, just that. It's also they know the issues that you're gonna face converting your business problem into a technical solution. Exactly. And they architectural have, problems and uh, and security and so on and so forth. They have they actually yeah. have broad expertise of the domain, not just oh I can like here's the Here's a problem. Let me program a solution, and like as if those two things live in a vacuum. Yeah, because there's design, and there's there's lots of other there's tons of other stuff. Yep. Um, Yeah, and so so there's no reason to think that within just even a few years that these uh, language models will have all of that. They'll have all of that knowledge. They'll have all of that reasoning. They'll have all the generalized knowledge as well as the specific expertise. So that just like how you know somebody who acts as a CEO 
of a company and who literally can't read or write a line of code and doesn't know shit about tech can hire a programmer who can then make their business idea happen, right? Mm -hmm. There's no reason to think that somebody with literally no programming background couldn't use one of these AIs in the same way that you would hire a programmer yeah, sure. uh, to, to be your, your programmer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like these things are just getting much, much smarter because there's – as one kind of like final weird breakthrough of the past uh, month or past couple of weeks even um, is that Stanford released this – this they called it a small language model. I think they called it Llama. Yeah. Um, yeah, Llama. So so it it is the same concept as what G, GPT-4, GPT-3 is. Um it's it's as performant and as intelligent as GPT 3.5, but it has only 7% of the parameters. And the way that they made it was they used GPT 4 to train it. So they used a larger model to make a smaller, <laughs> more efficient model, model yeah. that was as smart as the previous generation that uses 7% of the resources, right? Yeah, so the problem is if you – Because you can run so this thing locally, right? You can run long. You can run it on your own machine. You can run yeah. on a MacBook. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. You can you can just deploy it however you want and you can train it. And so it caught, it took them three hours to train it and it cost $600 to, to train it. As opposed to and what, the As opposed to $5 million <laughs> yeah. to, to train. Or, yeah, uh, my understanding of GPT-4 is it required Microsoft in like their one of their Azure data centers, you know, to build a fully new custom supercomputer mm -hmm. to – Yep. Train GPT four. Presumably, the the prior GPTs also required similar levels of kind of grandiose yeah. sort of. But, a, if, but if you think about the recursion of this, right, which is like if mm. you can make a if you at great expense make a really smart large language model that's actually kind of slow and inefficient and and dumber than it should be based on how many neurons it has, how many parameters it has. But then that big slow thing can train up a new version of a language model that's much, much smaller, much faster, mm. much smarter, um, and therefore much more efficient. Then you could scale up that new smarter, smaller model mm -hmm. with more training data and you can start recursing, right? And so this is this was kind of the dream of uh, these AI researchers is to say right now humans are the bottleneck in, in training these AIs because we need humans to evaluate and Well, humans them, right? and physical resources because you have yeah. to like throw them into a supercomputer to, <laughs> yeah. to put all that. Yeah. And so once you have this recursion happening where you've got larger language models training smaller language models who then get bigger and then those train the next generation mm -hmm. of smaller language models that then you scale up again, um, then you – you cut the costs down by 99.9% and you accelerate the speed by 100x, like mm. the speed at which you can train these things. Because instead of taking two years uh, to train up, it, it'd take a few hours, you know, <laughs> whatever. Mm. Uh, so this just happened, you know, like in this past couple of weeks. And so the the, the pace of at which these things are will be getting smarter uh, because of this like feedback loop is suddenly going to be very fast, right? Mm. So, you know, all this is to say, um, that's why I was saying about like this whole all else equal thing where it's like, all if you look at the equal. world to, if you look at the world today and then just like add AI into like tech jobs, what happens? It's like, we, that's not how it's going to go, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have no idea what the world is going to look like six months from now or a year from now mm -hmm. with the pace at which these things are are accelerating. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I just imagine like if I had sat down on my course to learn pro, because we're all self-taught in all of our disciplines. Um, and it was back in 2008, 
yeah, or 2007 mm-hmm. when I started to like really earnestly try to learn programming, right? And the way that I had to do that at that time in particular, because I was also earlier internet days, right? Um, was I had to talk to people who knew a lot about, it's like I had, I had a friend who was in a comp sci major in college, cause I was just out of college. And, uh, and he was like, okay, I suggest that you take this path. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like I did, and it ended up being a good path for me, but I think wouldn't have been a good for actually lots of other people. So like, I just was lucky that either he accurately diagnosed what I needed or that his opinion was good for me. Right. Either way. It just happened to match. Yeah. yeah. Just happened to match. And so had he given me different advice in that random pivotal moment, right? Um, my whole future could have looked completely different because I never would have learned programming or whatever, right? And but then I had to go. So he was like, Oh, you should learn C first. And I was like, This is hard and boring. So I need a more fun way to do this, right? <laughs> so yeah. but also like I didn't even know how to start. And so I went to a bookstore and found their their section that had comp sci books, right? And then I just happened to find there was a book that was like learning game development and C++ together, right? Mm. And I was like, oh, this sounds way more fun. It's like I buy this physical-ass book, right? And I mm-hmm. get home and it's like, I'm reading stuff that's already out of date, but stuff didn't get out of date as fast as it does today, you know? And they're like, <laughs> okay, you need to go to these websites and download this stuff. And I'm like, I'm, and I'm already trying to debug things because stuff doesn't work right away, you know? And, and I don't really understand like all the details of the stuff that I'm reading, but I don't have an easy way to be like, I need more, I just need a better description of this. You can't inquire about anything. Yeah. So it's just like, I'm just stuck in my own like slow feedback loop of, of trial and error and like, and like continuously you're like reworking my mental model of how this stuff works because it's just wrong. I don't have easy ways to, to fix it. But if I were to go back to that time and then just have this like AI buddy, you know, who now I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to learn programming. Here's some stuff about me. What do you, how do you suggest I start? Right. And it's like, okay, well, for your case, because of like the way that you like to approach learning and whatever, like you should start with Python or start with C or you should start with a game dev angle or whatever. Right. And here's some things that you could use to do that. I'm like, okay, dope. Um, give me, you know, set, what are the like the best learning resources for that? It could like give me a list of things. And then as I'm learning stuff, I'd be like, I don't understand how functions work. Uh, can you try, can you explain to me how functions work? But, but like relating it to something I've, I'm into, I'm really into dinosaurs or whatever the fuck. Right. And like now all of a sudden it just like tells me some allegory about teaching me how functions work via like a story about dinosaurs or some shit. Or Shakespearean Yeah. Just, I get, I get to, I get to fully tailor my learning experience to what I need. Uh, But this this is the weird thing is that, is that going forward, this is like what you're talking about the culture series a while back. You don't actually have to learn anything going forward. Because you can learn stuff if you want to, but the reason that you would say, I want to learn programming is because there's some thing that you want to make or some problem you want to solve. But if you've got this brilliant, you know, super brain that you can just say, I have this problem. Can you solve it? And it's like, yeah. I think there's there's a (laughs) built-in assumption to that statement though, which is that, right, which is that the reason you do X is because you have a problem you want to solve or a thing you want to build. And there's actually, there's a more fundamental reason for doing stuff that we've just fallen away from, which is because it's just fun to do stuff. Yeah. That's actually, that's, that's why. That's what I'm saying is it's all about, you can do stuff if you want to do it, but you know, but you know, like, for example, if you want to, if you want to make a web app, you don't, you don't have to 
go through the years of, of yeah. trial and error figuring out JavaScript because maybe you're not actually wanting to be a JavaScript programmer. You just want to have this web app and play I mean, with like, it. What, right? you know, what if life yeah. – what if the aspects of your life become all hobbies? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that's, that's the – That's, that's the dream. That's where I'm kind of angry toward. Yeah. It's like to me it seems like that's the, the logical endpoint of all this is that, is that as far as knowledge work goes, nobody has to do anything. Because if you've got these brilliant super brains that can solve any problem and can memorize anything and can, you know, do whatever, <laughs> if you can, you know, instead of us spending, you know, years and years making a game and all this stuff, if we could just tell it, hey, make a game like this. And then it's like, how about this? And we go, mm, no, let's tighten up the graphics on level <laughs> three. <you know? laughs> and, uh, and it's like, okay, I'll try. And then it does it. And we're like, no, let's, let's make it look more like this art style. And oh, then it just God. does that. Right. And so it's kind of like, if you want to learn the, the guts of actually programming a game, you just be doing that for fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because it's interesting. And that's, but- that's already the case too. Right. Cause you can like pull open uh, Unreal Engine and then use their blueprint drag and drop system to like design it's a matter of game. degrees for sure. Yeah, so it's, it's always right. the layer of abstraction. Yeah. And that's a, we're constantly moving up layers of abstraction mm-hmm. right as we go. And, and AI is basically that like that final layer of abstraction where you just get to convert sort of thoughts into into things uh, that exist, into, right? Into a thing. Yeah, you're yeah still, but I, I still would argue yeah. that uh it's gonna change like what's important to know about, right? Um, but it's going for people to actually use this stuff in a way that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll still have to be learning stuff, right? The yeah, question is just which things. stuff now, right? Because, because in the same way that like we always ridicule the idea guy, right? But the reason that we do is because is not even because like, sure, that person could hire somebody to make something, right? And they do. Mm-hmm. The problem is they don't hire them to make good stuff, right? Yeah. Because they don't know how to evaluate ideas. So they don't know, they don't know what stuff is good. And it's actually the decision of what to make and why, like that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like that, if you want to, if you want to hire somebody to something for you, whether it's an AI or a real person, right? Either way, like at that higher level of abstraction, there's a whole knowledge and skill set that you have to have for it to be, for you to be able to generate an outcome that's worth anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll still be true. And as with all these things, the more you know about all the underlying layers, the easier it is up in that higher space to meaningfully orchestrate underlying components uh, towards some kind of a design goal that's actually worth having. Um, so I think that's still going to always be true. It's just that where where we push all of our investment in terms of like slow human accumulated knowledge is going to be moving up these abstraction mm-hmm. layers higher. To a place where honestly we're already not focusing because at the moment you have to know every little fucking detail about how to do things yeah. to be able to then have an idea and cause it to happen. And I think the – so we still have to know things, but actually this pushes up into getting to, to occupy that higher space hmm. where we need to be educated anyway. And I think all, honestly the vast majority of people who can implement – are terrible at that top layer. Oh, it takes right? too much time figuring out how to implement shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it. Well, yeah, because you you had to spend all. Because I think about this for, for me for design, right? Like I am a terrible like graphic designer. I can look at something and know if it's if I like it, right? So, but it's hard to get there. But well, and, and I can and I can make that same thing I'm looking at because I can implement, right? But if you just say, hey, here's like a 
problem that I need to solve, make a nice, design a nice UI for this, right? The limitation for me isn't needing tools to be like, oh, well, I need a tool to, to implement. It's that, oh, I need to come up with a design that's actually good, right? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like the AI tools will get better at helping with that over time too and keep on pushing us to these higher abstraction layers, right? Uh, but the point is that is that uh, it's that whole like taste versus ability gap, right? Which yeah, is I think the, the gap shrinks very. The gap actually, I think it, it grows in this case, right? Because like because your ability to well, actually no, you're right, it shrinks. Yeah, it shrinks. Yeah, because you're, you're but it keeps on. It actually makes it really easy for your ability to outpace your taste, right? <laughs> And I think, because I think that's basically now like the, the realm yeah, we're you don't in. need ability to execute anymore. You yeah. can just say, hey, robot, Which means make now you need to be really knowledgeable. <laughs> and especially because, again, like in the end, you're all, everything that you make, if presumably it's for some reason, um, then everybody else can do this too, right? Mm-hmm. Which means if you're trying to survive under capitalism, then it's not going to be sufficient to be like, oh, cool, I can spin up this cute little web app, right? Because there's already 10,000 of them now, right? So your ability well, to compete that, but, has but to occupy the, these higher spaces, right? Um, that are outpacing the ability of the tool to just instantly do stuff, right? Yeah. And also, what's the point of a web app if if you have a general AI that can just solve any problem that you throw in? Yeah, then you don't need it. Because <laughs> yeah. as I was describing, you know, just kind of wrap this up, I was describing my uh, my personal finance, you know, web app or whatever to this, to GPT-4. And then like, after it built all the interface and stuff, I was looking at the, at the web app and I was like, I could probably just ask a GPT-4 yep. <laughs> for financial advice and it would do a much better job than this fucking weird web app. Yep. Even if I spend another year working on this web app, like in a year, GPT-4 will be even smarter and it will be able to just be my personal finance yeah, It is eating you know? a tremendous <laughs> number of services. It's just it's, it it has consumed everything, you know. Yeah, the, um, the nature of services. Like, I even think about this with like workflow management and stuff, right? Because like, because in the end, what you need is structured data of some kind, right? So that there's a semantic under relationship between all the pieces of data, right? Um, and like that's what like that's what a workflow. That's what like Trello is, right? It's like oh, a card is a structured kind of data, and then like you move it through a board because that means something to you, right? But now currently, like we have all these one-off interfaces for one-off kinds of structured data, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so the cost of like, oh, I want to solve this problem by like representing the idea of a card and moving it through like phases of completeness and sharing information with people or whatever. Now I need an interface for that, right? But if the interface is instead, the data just exists somewhere invisible, right? Yeah, you don't need to see the data. You can just you ask see. about you it. Just, cause like, cause, yeah, because you're always <laughs> just asking a question, you know? So you're yeah. just like, hey, show me what, what I should you- be working on right now. It's really the question, right? Yeah. Um, and then be like, okay, Mark, this is done. And then always a question like, who's depending on me for something, right? And where are they depending? For? Like right now, you basically have to go through like some, you know, clunky manual yeah, interface. Just dig through a bunch of interfaces. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, just ask, the ultimate you don't need the dream, I think, <laughs> is that is that services all become back end, right? They all yep. become ways of structuring and querying data um, and like semantically linked information. And then front ends all eventually become one front end, which is a generalized artificial intelligence that you can which just is language. It's yeah. just language. You just ask it questions and it gives you stuff. Maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll look back on this time and be like, hey, remember when we all like sat in front of computers all day? And like that was how we solved problems. 
Mm-hmm. That was fucking weird. What was that about? Like we had all time. these, we had all these like websites, and we all, and now now I just got like my little, I got like a smartwatch that I can just talk to it, and it's hooked up to GPT twelve or whatever, <laughs> and I can just be like, hey, smartwatch, let's, uh, I need like another trillion dollars in my bank account. Can you spin up a few new businesses? And it'll be like, <laughs> yeah, no problem, buddy. Right? Automate some revenue streams for me. Yeah, can GPT. we automate some revenue streams? <laughs> yeah, I think. Anyways, I think uh, yeah. Just to close it off, I think like the mount, the evidence is mounting. That the thing that's going to break capitalism is is this is this <laughs> this is <laughs> we because, don't know how yeah because like it's going to throw so many wrenches into an already very broken system that it that's already like on the edge of collapse because it it's never made sense and it really doesn't make sense at all now right and this is the thing that's going to cause it to implode and it's not going to be pretty it's the process of doing that because all of the idiots in charge are going to just be like. I don't know. I, I, I want to have all my anyway. money though. <laughs> so they'll just like they'll just let it happen, uh, and then well, on their side though, you know, maybe our benevolent AI overlords. So that's my that's my hope. And yeah, we could just hang out and do hobbies and bake bread, and you know, we're all everything's fine. Hang out with pets. Yep. Hang out with pets. So uh, well, I think it's a good spot to end it. We'll we'll see what happens in the next year, and by that I mean between now and the next, the next episode. <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll be something. So. Uh, We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.